welcome to the We Watch Rewatch podcast, a podcast with a group of sisters that get together and talk about old shows that we loved. I'm Angelie. I'm Sherilyn. And I'm Corinne. And this week we are talking about That 70s Show, Season 1, Episode 8, Drive-In. Before we get started, though, we always kind of like to chit-chat about our lives. How's your guys' week been? Um, For me, it's been good and somewhat terrible. So we were supposed to have a repairman out on Wednesday, but he didn't show up till 5 p.m. And so I just told oh him gosh. to get lost and pound sand. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he was supposed to be there... He didn't give me a time window, A, and then he told me at 1 he was going to be there at 3 and then got there at 5. So I was just like, I'm done. Bye. Yeah. She had worked from home all day, and I only know this because I was babysitting your child, but, Mm -hmm. and then he just didn't even show. Like, ridiculous. Yeah. So at that point, I'd been waiting for him eight hours, and I I had just barely gotten my daughter. She didn't want to be inside. I wasn't going to wait for the guy, so I was like, no, no, you're gone. Bye. We'll go with a different company at this point. Wow. Have you guys lined up who's coming now? Um, not yet. It's, we've just been having other things come up since then. So Mm. (laughs) that's, it's on the to-do list, but it's. Yeah, I get you. I feel you. Wow. Uh, no, I think mine's been pretty uneventful. Just projects done, this and that. Nothing crazy. It's, it's the end of January, early February stuff. Like just house projects. That's nice. I am officially in my third trimester today, which feels crazy to me with baby number five and my other kids this week also have gotten sick so that's been really fun taking care of now I have three of them that have run fevers at different times while my belly is just getting bigger and bigger and they keep reminding me my daughter especially today I put on my dress um to go to church today and she looked at me and she goes when did your belly get so big and I'm like where you been child but also rude (laughs) I didn't say that to her that's my life she's seven I yeah she's seven I almost said eight but she's not eight she's seven <laughs> I mean at least it comes from like a loving place and not just a random stranger saying that right it's my daughter and she's like just she noticing just, things she it's just okay. finally took the time to notice no. <laughs> oh hello mommy yeah when it's your coworker and you're six months pregnant saying oh look at you you're getting so big not as welcoming as a seven-year-old. <sighs> yeah, I don't love that. Yeah. Because you're like, I'm aware. Thanks for yeah. pointing that out again. <laughs> you're like, oh, this happens? Who knew? I know. I But I get that people get excited. But yeah, yeah that's, it was a baby burn. <laughs> that's, that's later in the seasons. Okay. <laughs> that's a Fez quote. <laughs> a baby burn. Okay, so this is, again, season one, episode eight, Drive-In. It was directed by David Trainer as all of them will be from here on out. The writer of this episode was Mark, and I don't know how to say this last name. I'm so sorry. I'm going to try it two different ways. It's either Mark Hudis or Mark Huddis, something like that. Um, and then we have some guest stars this time. We have Kevin P. Farley as Matthew Erdman, Shannon Holt as Rebecca Erdman, Carrie V. Bowman as the hostess, Drew Ebersol as Blanigan's waiter, Um, Scott Haven as cop and Alex Neville as Philly's waiter. And this episode originally aired on November 15th, 1998. All right. Now we're getting right into the show. Of course, this episode starts with the black screen, the black screens, I should say, because there's several that will go through one saying Point Place, Wisconsin, Saturday, 1976 afternoon, Eric Foreman's basement, setting the scene and we get right into the basement. Eric is calling into a store for a delivery of manure to prank Coach Jefferson for giving him a D. Eric is wearing a plain green sweater, 
Hyde has on a black top with some kind of 70s detailing um, in the front, jeans and boots, Kelso in jeans, sneakers, and an almost pink kind of purplish shirt. Fez, as always, looks a little bit nicer in some brown trousers and a plaid button-up top. Fez is worried about a character in his comics. Kelso very excitedly sits up to share the news with Eric that the Omen is playing at the drive-in. And ding, 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 ding. I'm going to cut in right there. That is something that you can mark if you're following along on our bingo cards. I did bingo card number eight. Um, they can be found on our Instagram page at We Watch Rewatch Podcast. But The Omen uh, is a reference to a movie from the 70s. So mark that off your bingo cards. The Omen is playing at the drive-in and that'll be Make Out City. Let me just say, I know that a lot of drive-ins have probably closed by now. Now, I ha- I remember very few memories of going, but I just don't have very big memories. So it's just drive-in, candy, good time. Like, I don't have anything specific to remember. You don't, you didn't go to a lot of drive-ins? I mean, I, I went to a few, but I feel like it's so long ago now that I, nothing pops out to me. Like, there's cobwebs there now. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have some stories, but I'll save them for later in the episode. When we get to the actual When drive-in. we get there. When okay. we get there. Okay. I mean, I probably went with some high school boyfriends, but I mean, it's just that long time ago that I just don't have any great memories to remember things by. So it was many eons ago. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Eric jokingly shoots him down by saying, I really like you as a friend, Kelso. Can I bring a girl? Kelso claims that a horror movie turns girls on faster than pornos, and if only someone would make a horror porno movie. Oh Red com- comes down the stairs to relay the message that Fez's host parents, the Erdmans, called and they want him to come home. Red tells Kelso to stop saying porno. Kelso instantly turns and blames it on Fez. Fez stops at the door as he's leaving and calls him a bitch before leaving. <laughs> Okay, so when the scene opens, as Sherilyn said, we're told that it's Saturday, 1976, but it really bothered me because we've been trying so hard to nail down the timeline. It bothered me that it was not more specific than this. Um, In previous episodes, we've kind of come to the conclusion that we're sometime in the fall, maybe, kind of based on the events that have happened in the episodes. And based on the trajectory of what happens between Eric and Donna in this episode, it seems like it comes later or after the disco yes exactly i would agree on that the way that the the story is progressing this definitely feels like it's after the disco episode right when did we determine that the disco episode was we think it's sometime in the fall october november maybe probably not quite november because wisconsin in november would probably be very snowy yes so that's what i was thinking maybe september october is what we were thinking Mm -hmm. something like that but i had to know i was like okay the omen that's a clue it's playing at the (laughs) drive-in So I looked up um, when the release date of The Omen was, thinking like, okay, maybe if it's at the drive-in, it either was out in theaters or had just recently left the theaters and then was in the drive-in. You know how sometimes the drive-ins, at least when we were growing up, it would show movies that weren't the newest, but still kind of new? Sure. And then sometimes it would show just old movies, whatever. But The Omen released in the U.S. around June 25th, 1976. And we see um, everybody wearing sweaters or long sleeves in this. So I still kind of feel like it could be sometime in the fall. September, However, October, yeah. yeah, it's oh, about it's October. about three months, two or three months after the release date. So maybe it would be in the theater still, or maybe it would be at the drive-in. I would so, say probably at the drive-in, because usually it's the, the first month that it's super popular, and then it drew, uh, kind of fades out. Right. Bit. 
Right. So that was kind of my guess based on this. Can I just interrupt and say, knowing that one of the episodes following this is, I think, Thanksgiving, I think that that will give us the fact that these are probably happening in show timeline, just a few weeks apart from each other, where they had the disco, they share the kiss, mm-hmm. and all the other things. And then with this makeout session, and then, like, that, 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 like, you know, it's, it's coming together. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's so, following. Yeah, chronologically, it would seem like it happened after the disco, right? Yeah. But I was trying to, I was just trying to nail it down a little bit more than that. But all that I'm getting so far is fall, probably. Anyway, then comes in our rock and roll credits. <laughs> After the credits, Kitty comes storming into the kitchen of the foreman's house. She's wearing a very thinly striped spring color top that had like those baggy sleeves that gather around the wrist. Um, she's got a light pink skirt and thick heeled brown high heels so that it's it's not a wedge, but it's got that big thick heel on the back that was very typical of the 70s. The first time I watched this, I was kind of annoyed. I was like, ooh, she's got on nylons and open-toed shoes and that's a 70s faux pas i had to rewind and look back and i'm like okay the the shoes are closed never mind (laughs) i know that's pivotal to the scene everybody needed to know that (laughs) anyway um red is sitting at the table and he's wearing his typical plaid striped shirt and jeans so kitty storms in because she's very upset she took a relationship quiz in cosmo and she and red only scored three out of ten for how spontaneous their relationship is and she cheated. I love how she just dramatically said, and I cheated. I know. And the, the way that I wrote it here, it sounds like she cheated on him, but she like she cheated on the quiz. Let's be yeah. clear about that. She sits and makes a few snarky comments about keeping their routine the same so they don't accidentally have fun. Red realizes this problem won't just go away. So he suggests a date night. Kitty's excited until he mentions they'll go to Philly's, and Kitty's able to recite exactly the dishes that they always order there. Um, When Red suggests he'll try the ham, Kitty changes one of their quiz answers, which gives them a new ranking of humdrum. As she walks away still upset, Red rolls his eyes at Cosmo, and then one of the articles catches his eye. Ooh. (laughs) He starts reading. So I wanted to ask you guys, if you had to give your relationship a ranking of 1 to 10, I know it's not like a quiz score, but like a ranking of 1 to 10 for spontaneity, how do you think that you do? I am very much a creature of routine and I like having my routine. So I'm going to give myself like a 3 or a 4 just because I I like to do certain things on certain days. I like having that structure in Mm -hmm. my life. I'm very much a type A person. So for me personally, I'm a type A. My husband's way more spontaneous than I am. Oh, okay. So you would give your guys' relationship, to quote Kitty, um, a ranking of predictable as the tides or humdrum. (laughs) I'm a humdrum person. What can I say? I like it. Cher, what do you think? Um, I would probably, I don't want to say that we're boring as well, but I, I feel like maybe three or four as well. And I say that because with two kids, I I am definitely in that phase of my life where sometimes I don't want to be touched. I, I But when, you know, when, when the getting's good, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, not complaining about any of that. It's just, I feel like I'm the reason to blame why we don't have more fun. Oh. <laughs> well, so... After 10 years being married to my husband and almost five kids, I definitely think that we'd get a low score because we need to keep our routine the same with like school age kids. We need to have a predictable like time for dinner and time for bedtime and all the things. But we we, like we try to mix it up every once in a while, but I don't think that we're very good at it. So we probably would get a very low score on the spontaneous one. Like we're talking like 
maybe a two or a three. <laughs> we have to keep it very, like, I don't know, scheduled. Not scheduled. We have to keep it very consistent at our house for the kids. <laughs> Which is funny. <laughs> that kitty was so upset that she knew uh, Red's order for where they went. I can do the same thing with my husband. I'm like, okay, so you're probably thinking this, this, and this. If it's a place that we go to often, he's like, you're going to probably get this, this, or this or this. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know me you know me so well. We, we do and it's like not even a matter of like, maybe these are the things that you always order, but like, these are the types of foods that you like. And I know this about you. So yeah. I think it says something about them knowing each other. I'm like, it's not the end of the world, but also like mix it up. Try a, maybe a seafood. I know, throwing some crazy out here. You're not big on the seafood. I always gravitate toward shrimp. I do too. Yeah. Heathen. Lately. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know what, you guys? We were so bad. We need to mention this. Danielle is here with us. Our other lovely sister is here. She's helping with the audio stuff behind the scenes. We never shout her out. She's awesome. Danny, we love you. We've got a couple of notes actually here from Danielle that we'll include here. So when we asked Danielle the same question, she is pointing out, she pointed out to us that uh, she noticed Kitty gets really huffy about the, the low score for spontaneity, but she actually enjoys the consistency in her own relationship. And they do get to go and do fun things a lot, like go on vacation. And when they do that, there is a lot of planning involved to make sure that they have a good time, make sure that they have a good, like, places to go eat. And there's a lot of work that goes into it. So she kind of likes the predictability of all of that. Well, bringing us back to the episode, <laughs> Fez's host parents, the Erdmans, are concerned with the gang of ruffians he is hanging out with. At first glance, you can tell that his host parents will be a little uptight. His host mother is wearing an orange slash tan vest over a pink long sleeved turtleneck, a knee length brown skirt, and a gold cross necklace hangs prominently on top of her sweater. His host father is wearing a print button up shirt and tie with a buttoned up brown sweater on top of slacks. Mr. Erdman starts by stating that uh, they looked the other way when he started wearing cologne, and Miss Erdman just sits and makes awkward grimaces and frowning faces during this conversation. And I'm going to say ding, 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 ding. I um, marked Mr. Erdman off as a famous guest star on my bingo cards, and I think you caught on to why. I did. We'll talk about it when she's done with the scene, but famous guest star, and I'll explain why in a minute. You continue, Corinne. So, side note with Mr. Erdman, um, we're going to continue on, but I made a note about this and I was like oh wow and it wasn't until we were starting the top of this episode I was like oh okay and now I understand now you get it now you get it okay okay so continue go ahead but the other thing I was gonna say with her the Mrs. Erdman just making awkward faces it was so distracting to me during this scene it doesn't look like an actual person that's concerned. I mean, I get that she's playing it like very dramatic, very conservative, very concerned about like the horrible things that Fez is doing, but it's it's so over the top that it's extremely distracting. <laughs> it was hilarious, but it was just one of those things yeah. where like she was, yeah, just the grimaces and everything like that. It I was... think it's coupled with the fact that she has zero lines that I'm like waiting for her to say something. And instead she's just like frowning and shaking her head, you know? Which playing the also conservative. Yes, so very, sense. very much. <laughs> Okay, well, bringing it back, they bring out a Kiss album. Ding, 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 ding. Mark it off your bingo cards. This is a reference to 70s music. Sorry, that was a Kiss record, not an album. That We don't get till albums till later. Well, you're right. Okay. So they bring out a Kiss record and claim that it's the devil's music. But Fez insists it's not the devil's, it's Eric's. <laughs> no, that is not the devil's, it is Eric's. I love it. 
they put the record on the player and start spinning it backwards. So this one's kind of a half mark it off your bingo card. They don't really reference the 70s technology, but you do see the record player. I actually mark it off my bingo card later on in the episode because there's another reference to 70s technology. But if you feel so inclined to mark it off now, I wouldn't count it against you. Yes. And as they're spinning it backwards, there's a just a jumbled mess of sounds coming out of the, the player. And what they think they hear it is, uh, devil love me, devil lives. Fez starts laughing and says that in his language, it says, I want to sex your monkey, which I have never done. <laughs> and then they look horrified. Like, oh no, what is this boy getting into? Oh, oh yes. no. But the thing that Angelie and I were referencing earlier is, for me, I just made a note that from, like, this guy really looks like Chris Farley, like, this <laughs> this Mr. Erdman. I know, and I always thought the same thing. Every time I watched it, I'm like, he mm-hmm. looks so familiar. He really does kind of look like Chris Farley. Mm-hmm. And then when I was researching the, the guest stars, I saw his name and I went, of course. Yeah. So this is, I'm going to say his first name correctly. This is Kevin Farley, and it is Chris Farley's brother. I younger brother. So. I just yes, it up. yes yeah. younger brother. And they do look so much alike. And he actually, I counted him as a famous guest star. Some people might not know who he is and that's fine but he has such a long filmography on imdb he's been in so many things and he's actually been in a lot of things with people who also starred with um chris farley and things like david spade and adam sandler and lots of um other comedic actors he's been in a lot of material with them so yeah famous guest star you can mark that off your bingo cards and um there's actually another brother who's also an actor so there was three of them in that family that were all actors yeah. I know, things I did not know before this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, um, Mr. Erdman, I just, with him being kind of in a more conservative outfit, I, the whole time, I was just like, I feel like he should be shouting about down by the river. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> Living in a van down, down by, by the, the river. river. <laughs> I'm so happy you said that. <laughs> I was just like, where is it? Where yes. is it? Where's the reference? Oh, yeah, he didn't get there. He, he played it very straight, and he did a great job as he a did. concerned host father. Oh, gosh. Well, back at the foreman's, Eric and Donna are in the kitchen, and Eric suggests they go to the movie. And um, I started to say something, and I got cut off. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. I know. <laughs> I, was try- I was trying to remember what the ding, ding, ding was. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. <laughs> ding, 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 she says. <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. I counted this scene technically as a cute Donna and Eric moment just because they seem like awkwardly like he's asking her to the movies. They're both kind of like unsure about this. There is a scene later on that some people might think is cuter. I think it's kind of cute and kind of like aggressive what happens later. So you could count it either way, but this could be marked off your bingo cards as uh, Eric and Donna sharing a cute moment. When Donna says she wants to go see all the president's men, Eric claims it's not very good and and instead suggests the omen. Donna seems hesitant, asking if it's playing at the drive-in. Eric feigns ignorance, but then agrees it must be playing there. He asks Donna if she wants to go, and she reluctantly agrees. Okay, so again, trying to nail down the timeline, I was like, all the president's men, that's another clue. So I looked up the release date for this one, and it actually came out in the U.S. on April 9th, 1976. So that's moving our timeline even further away. Why would it still be in the theaters if we're in fall? I could not get any sort of answer. I cannot nail down this timeline. It's driving me nuts. 
Okay, so Jackie and Donna are hanging out on the foreman's back porch talking about the drive-in. Jackie's in a knit beanie and a matching sweater vest with a pink button-up underneath, and her hair is really tightly curled. It was very 70s, and, like, she probably had used hot rollers. Donna's in a plaid button-up shirt and jeans, and she has her hair pulled back in one of those, like, low half ponies with a barrette. And the two are talking about how Donna would like to have a physical relationship with Eric, and Jackie forces Donna to just come out with it and say what she means, which is make out. Donna doesn't want it to be public or full of pressure, but thinks going to the drive-in means it will be both of those things. Jackie claims to know how Donna feels, saying everyone wants their first makeout to be somewhere romantic like Disney World. <laughs> of all places, Jackie. Or Ireland. Oh, man. Yeah, she does mention Ireland, which I'm like, yeah. And then she says Disney World, and I'm like, um... Her dreams are just very far. <sighs> yeah. Very, very interesting. Okay. At this point, the screen splits, and so this kind of, sort of could count as a fantasy sequence, but not really. It's just kind of showing both sides of the conversation at the same time. We get to see Jackie and Donna on one side, and Eric talking to Kelso on the other side. So we get to see them both discussing the drive-in at the same time. So... Eric doesn't want Kelso and Jackie to come because they'll be like competition. And at the same time, Donna's saying she wants them to come so that she'll have Jackie to talk to if she gets nervous. Donna points out that Jackie must be bored of sex by now. And both Donna and Eric state that Kelso and Jackie must have done it like a million times. Kelso says, yeah. And Jackie says, we have never done it. <laughs> I love that. That he just instantly goes for yes. And she's like, uh, no. Typical boy. Right. In talking to her husband about this episode, Danielle said her husband chimed in that guys do in fact brag about things like this, and it's unsure how much is actually true when they're having these bragging sessions. And I believe it. I believe that guys will embellish the truth or try to make themselves look a little bit more uh, macho or impressive, you know. The next scene opens up in the foreman's living room where Kitty comes dancing down the stairs into the living room complaining that her bright red dress that has a cord tie waist says, look at me, look at me, stare at me. Kitty feels that it's all wrong for their dinner at Philly's. Red tells Kitty it's just fine for the dinner at Lion's Head. This takes Kitty by surprise that Red has changed his mind about the restaurant. Kitty's mood instantly changed to excitement, knowing that Red is on board to be a bit more spontaneous. They both bring up a past memory about this restaurant. It's a fantasy place. Kitty is so excited she can barely contain herself. Like, she's just giddy and jumpy and, like, kind of all over Red, it seemed like. Red says that it's different and we haven't been there in years clearly making these comments so that Kitty would know that he had paid attention to their kitchen conversation about the magazine article. Kitty doesn't waste any time and tells Red that if they are going somewhere that fancy, she'll need to shave his neck and that she'll go get the clippers. Red looked so defeated as she walked away. <laughs> now, I made note of this because to a guy, why is getting their hair cut so bad? The idea of her shaving the neck, like, why is it put him in an instant bad mood? Like, ugh. I think it's just, like, the whole hassle of, like, she says, I'll get the clippers, you'll hop in the tub. It's, like, a whole production of, like, him having to get undressed and get in the tub so that she can shave his neck and then I'll have to get cleaned up and get, like, I think he's just, like, oh, this is turning into more of a hassle than I wanted just going on this date. But he already has to change his clothes to go out to dinner, you know what I mean? I know, like, I know, but it's just adding another layer. I think that that's, I, you're right, it shouldn't be a big deal, but he's just, like, ugh, another yeah. thing. What, what I had noted simply was that, like, really, we are, we're not seeming, we're not trying to nag you. We just simply want a man to get cleaned up to go somewhere nice. Mm -hmm. 
you're going to shower if you stink or you get dirty. So you're going to want dirty clothes to go out it. Like, it, it's just one extra step. Yeah, you're gonna you have get to your clean haircut, up anyway. Mm-hmm. You're going to get cleaned up. You're going to throw on the clean clothes. I had also noted that I, I can relate. Like, watching them, I related to both Kitty and Red there. Mm-hmm. Like, it doesn't even have to be about dinner, but it's like either do I have to put in the extra step to change this, that. But I do like here where it's like, yeah, you want to get dressed up. You want to go all out. Yeah, yeah. That, that was exactly my note is I love how excited Kitty is just to have an excuse to get like dressed mm-hmm. up and look nice and like go out together. Anytime I feel fancy and get dressed up for a day, I feel like I end up overdressed for wherever we go. We don't really have a lot of excuses to get dressed up fancy around here. So sometimes I'm like, yes, this is going to be great. I'm going to get dressed up. And then I'm always like, oh, why did I dress up so much? Like we never go anywhere that fancy, but it's fun still. <laughs> it's fun to like make yourself feel all nice and gussied up, you know? I, I would say my example here is strictly to the fact that my husband and I have also, probably about once a year, we go to a very expensive steak restaurant. It's a good time. I mean, it's pricey stuff. It's but, expensive. But yes. everybody, I mean, they have a dress code there on the website and oh, everything. Oh, wow. Yep. Like, you, the you real don't deal. Go, you don't go in gym clothes. You don't go in tank tops. You don't go in summer type stuff. Like, you're going to dress up you're gonna look nice so when we've gone it's either i've put on a skirt or a dress or like mm-hmm. a pair of heels or i have a change of clothes in the car so i can you're get like comfortable ready. right after <laughs> like i can smart. attest to this is actually where we had a christmas party where it was like nice and fancy oh really mm-hmm. wow i know exactly where she's talking about we've talked about i this. think <laughs> i've heard you talk about it what mastros oh okay okay <laughs> up in like north scottsdale like Fancy, yeah, the, the fancy so, I would say if you looked on a map, it's the northernmost location. Yeah, gotcha. of the Mastro's locations. <laughs> yeah, they fancy. Mm-hmm. It's okay to spend money on yourself once in a while because it is pricey. Yeah, once a year sounds like oh, that's that's a big deal, but you guys do it the one time. That's fine. Yep. <laughs> With another couple. By oh, the way. okay. That's good. That's fun. Okay, so the scene changes, and now we're in the basement when the kids are in the circle. And I said, ding, 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 mark it off your bingo cards. Kids are in the circle. We all know what that means. They are um, using an illegal substance. (laughs) They're just smoking. Yes. So Fez is kind of panicking now after this conversation he had with his host parents. He's really taken to heart what they said about the devil having messages on the record. Hyde thinks it's not the devil, but a secret law passed by Congress to put hidden messages on our record so that we'll stop listening to rock and roll, man. And I said, ding, 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 ding. Hyde talks about a conspiracy theory market off your bingo cards. Feds brings the topic back to the devil and says he's starting to hear him everywhere. Hi. (laughs) I love love how quickly he gets scared at nothing. Um, Because I feel like we've all been there. Like, let's say that you've watched a scary movie and then you go home and like any tiny noise, you're like, I'm going to die. What's happening? Because you don't, we've all been there. Like, after you've watched a scary movie or something, you go home and, like, any little noise that you hear, you think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. What's that? What's going on in my house? And I, like, growing up, we had a house that had, like, squeaky floors. So if somebody moved in the other room, like, you would hear it. So then the camera pans over to Hyde, who says some sort of gibberish, and then it quickly pans to Eric and then back to Hyde. And it's kind of showing us, like the camera's moving in a circle and then moving backwards as though the footage is being played in reverse. So now that it's back to Hyde, his message is, again, supposedly being played backwards, and that it's, he is Satan and he's now Fez's master and Fez looks scared. (laughs) Hyde wants Fez to get him a cherry pop. And he repeats this about three times before dropping the act and just saying, Fez, get me a pop. 
When Fez starts to relax, Hyde puts on the scary voice again to tell Fez that Satan's second choice is root beer. <laughs> I don't know if you saw, but like Hyde's face was so close to breaking at that point. I know. And then he laughs and then he goes back into it. And I'm like, that's totally normal. Like if you were messing with your friend, you'd probably have a hard time like holding it together. I wouldn't be surprised if like that actor was just like so just far dying. Gone. <laughs> yes, dying at this point. Ugh, I love it. But speaking of scary instances, I don't know if... <laughs> You remember this, Angelie. <laughs> I don't know what the premise behind it was, but I know I was about, I want to say like 10 to 12-ish. I don't remember the year, actually. But we had just watched something, I think, scary, and you and Danielle decided to mess with me. And <laughs> I think just, I know what you're talking about. Um, um, I said something and you just started like looking demonically at me like with big wide eyes and I was like oh she's messing with me and then you just started creeping forward still with that like those <laughs> eyes and started cracking your neck and I'm like oh no so we did this and started chasing me down the hall we did this to her I remember it us doing it once when you were younger and we had been um it might have been younger I'm just thinking it was like 10 I remember maybe this happening when we lived with um, I remember family this. in an upstairs, downstairs situation mm-hmm. and like messing with you from the bottom of the stairs. But I do remember us doing it again in the apartment when we lived there and like That's chasing you down the hall. About. So yes, I was like staring at her super creepy. I don't remember where it came from. But then, yeah, I, I started either. doing this weird walk where like one toe was pointed and the other foot was flat. So like as I walked, I was going up and down and then I started moving my neck with it. <laughs> and zombie. staring at her and like would not snap out of it. It was the meanest thing ever. And I did, did it. I was like, she was freaking out. And it was only for a couple of minutes, but it was really like creepy that I don't remember why I was doing this to you. And I remember apologizing profusely after because she was so like terrified of whatever I had done. But I remember Danielle being in on it too. And us both just like ganging up on Corinne. It was so mean, but it was really funny. I'm so I sorry. Mean, I can laugh about it now, but it may be traumatized. Oh, I know. <laughs> like seriously messed with your head. Where was I? I don't know. <laughs> maybe in Heber, maybe you'd moved out by then. Maybe you were just at school. I don't know. But the point is, we seriously messed up Corinne. <laughs> but I was like, Essentially, you were the hide and I was the fest. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Red and Kitty show up at the Lion's Head and find a very noisy family-style restaurant called Flanagan's instead. Red and Kitty aren't sure about staying, but Red thinks he can find them a qu- nice, quiet table just as four servers walk by and then loudly saying happy birthday with a horn, I think, as well. Like, oh, yeah. They're honking a horn. Happy birthday! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very noisy. Red puts their name on the list and finds out that it'll be two hours, which for that noisy of a restaurant, that's insane. And people are waiting around for this. Like what's so amazing about the food that you're going to wait around at Blanigan's for two hours. Exactly. He then slips the hostess $20. Then she changes the wait time to 15 minutes. Red then threatens to burn down the place again. Then suddenly the hostess miraculously has a table right then, which referenced to earlier in the same scene, they find out that the lines had burnt down originally, so now it's blending in. So that's why he was just threatening to do it again. Mm-hmm. Okay. Red asks the hostess to check his hat, so she grabs it and gives it back and says, looks real good, before <laughs> handing it back. I love that. He's trying to be all fancy with it, and she's like, yeah, looks good. Here you go. 
So one thing about this scene was I actually worked as a hostess in high school for an Italian restaurant and no one ever tried to slip me money to make the wait time lower. And I'm actually kind of sad about that because I could have used the extra tips. But yeah, nobody ever tried this trick where I was of like handing me money to be like, what's the wait time? Can I, uh, you know, how, how are we looking on our table? Wink, wink. Never happened. I mean, maybe it just wasn't a fancy enough restaurant, but this Blanigan's isn't super fancy either. But Red's a fancy guy. We just had a regular old Italian restaurant. I do remember having to go sing happy birthday to people, though. We didn't have to do any sort of, like, crazy... Yeah, we didn't do any crazy, like, theme songs or anything specific to our restaurant. We just sang regular happy birthday and gave them a chocolate a piece of chocolate cake. Yep. But, um, yeah, I remember having to go and, and sing with the servers or anybody that was available to sing, everybody would have to go. Did we have very many, um, shifts together? We did. So Sherilyn actually started working at this restaurant after I did in yeah. high school for a little while. We had some overlap there and yeah, we did have some shifts together, not a ton, but we did work together some. Yeah. All right. We're going to continue on. We have Donna and Eric are just walking to the car when Donna stops at the door. She looks at her watch and says maybe she should make some popcorn since they always overcharge she is really just stalling time till jackie and kelso can arrive and then in walk jackie and kelso donna asks what they are doing there and jackie go answers quickly with nothing what are you doing eric quickly responds that he and donna are going to the drive-in like they've already talked you know amongst themselves you know the boys and the girls but obviously jackie had to make a way for them to be here so they could drive with them In this process, Eric quickly responds, they're going to the drive-in, and Jackie responds with, thank you, we'd love to go. I know, I love the way that she doesn't even wait for an invitation. She just hears drive-in, thank you, Eric, we'd love to go. That's the plan. Yeah, she just had to make it work for for Donna. (laughs) Then she tells Kelso to get in the car. And I said, ding, 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 Jackie is bossy to Kelso, because he resists, and she's like, get in the car. And I'm like, oh, okay, so mark that off your bingo cards. <laughs> Once Jackie is inside the car, Eric grabs Kelso and says, this isn't what we talked about, like, at all. Like, like it, you have to be there to understand that, oh, Eric is really upset by the fact that he's here. Yeah. He's, he's the scrawny one. He's roughing up to Kelso right I now. I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> Kelso is just going with the flow and tells Eric that he'll try to take it slow and try to keep up with him. Like, telling Eric to help like work on it (laughs) as kelso climbs in the car eric slams the back door and kelso flies forward over the front seat ding 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 i'm counting this as kelso having a clumsy moment because he's flung through the car (laughs) mark it off your bingo cards (laughs) then we see kitty and red are seated at their table their waiter is introducing the salad bar option to them and red is not enjoying this restaurant experience he is quickly upset about the idea that kitty has to make her own salad while at the restaurant he hits his limits after this waiter, you know, explains a few more things. He says he can't bring things over. And then he drags Kitty out of there. Just thinking about this scene, like, yeah, Kitty's voice can sometimes be a little grating, her her nasal quality of this. But she starts out so calmly with, like, Red, honey, your neck vein, it's poking out. And then, it like, as the scene progresses, <laughs> she's like, Red, neck vein, neck vein, neck vein. But I'm like, I, I get it. She's trying to de-escalate the situation, and she sounds like a huge nag. But, like, I don't know what else she could have done in that moment to try and get him to calm down. I was like, okay, Katie, do what you got to do. They, they wanted to have a restaurant experience and not Blanigan's experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Side note, salad bars. Are you guys a fan of them? Yes or no? Yeah. Um... 
I love salad, so I'm never going to say no to a salad bar. However, I do understand his frustration. He's like, we came out to dinner, like, not to make our own food. Mm -hmm. So I get, like, they just, they picked the wrong restaurant, really. That's all that it comes down to. It was bad luck. But I I love salad, so I'll always take a salad bar. And I understand that for me. There's so many options. Mm Mm-hmm. If there's not a sneeze guard on that salad bar, oh, yes. I was like, I can't. Oh, yes. I can't. <laughs> Absolutely. So I have a feeling back in the 70s when, I I don't know if they had sneeze guards as much back then. So I'm like, mm. Might be a little more dodgy. I feel yeah. like they still would have had something on top, but maybe not as close as we're used to now. But maybe. there still would have been some type of cover, like, because you need lighting. Yeah. Yeah. Just give me eight Blanigan tasted salad dressings to choose from and I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> So then the scene changes with a very old-fashioned drive-in reminder to replace the speaker to its rack when you're done. And I said, ding, 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 ding. I'm counting this as our reference to 70s technology. Yes, I know it's not exclusive to the 70s, but this was like a thing in the 70s that they would have to do with the drive-in. And the 50s and the 60s and all the other times that it was popular before they started the radio option. In the Vista Cruiser at the drive-in, Donna and Eric are watching the movie. As they sit there, all we can hear are, like, the loud music and some slurping noises. And Donna says the movie even sounds gross. Eric tells her it's not the movie. Just in time for Jackie to pop up out of the backseat after she's been making out with Kelso. She tries to sound casual as she asks if everything's okay. And Donna tells her, no, she wants Eric and Kelso to go get popcorn. While the guys are gone, Donna reminds Jackie she's not supposed to be there just to make out with Kelso. And Jackie apologizes, insisting that they'll stop. Kelso comes back and says he needs money for the popcorn. And I said, ding, 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 ding. I'm counting this as Kelso has a dumb moment because they fully get out of the car and walk away. And then he comes back and he's like, uh, yeah, about the popcorn. I need money. Like, how did he not realize before that he didn't have any money on him? I'm counting it. How does Kelso just never have money? Like, expecting the girls to always be i know he always well because jackie has a lot of money so jackie just pays for everything i feel like he's just a bad boyfriend yeah i mean he, in that regard well, we will learn that time and time again throughout the series <laughs> um anyway so mark that off your bingo cards kelso has a dumb moment um but donna says what i don't want popcorn get back in the car when the boys get back in kelso tries to start things back up with jackie but she insists that they're going to watch the movie Kelso tries that thing that I'm sure um, millions of other people have tried, but I missed the beginning. And he's like, I don't want to watch this. And Eric gives the best synopsis ever. I love how quickly he sums this up. The little kid's a devil. They have to kill him. Watch the movie. And I'm like, okay. All right. We hear the audio from the famous look at me, Damien scene. And suddenly both girls scream and duck down. And I got really curious because I, I call this scene famous. Anybody that's seen the movie would know what they're talking about anybody that's a like horror movie buff would know what they're talking about i have never seen the omen i actually was really tempted to watch the omen in preparation for this episode and i didn't have time but i honestly was gonna try and get my husband to watch it with me so i know that they did a 2006 remake of it but i wanted to watch the original I just didn't have the time. The closest I got, though, was Googling the look at me Damien scene to find out what exactly they're responding to. And oh my gosh, it's intense. Do you guys want me to spill it for you? No. Yes. They are at like some sort of, it looks like a carnival or something, but I actually read the synopsis of the whole movie because I needed to know what happened. So I spoiled the omen for myself. And this movie is like 40, 50 years old, but I spoiled it for myself. Yeah. So I read the whole synopsis and in reading it, I found out it's his birthday party. So there's a birthday party going on. 
this woman is like walking the perimeter or whatever of the party and she sees this dark dog, which apparently has come in in other parts of the movie and it's a bad sign. She like stares at this dog and it's almost like a hypnotic something is going on between the two of them. So anyway, shows the kid playing at the party and all of a sudden you start hearing her say, Damien, Damien, look at me, Damien. And I thought it was the mom and it's not the mom. It's the lady who had been walking around the, like the edge. And she's now standing on the roof of the house or the building or whatever is next to them. And it's a multi-story house. She's standing on the roof, like just outside of a window. And his mom is actually on the ground with him and she pulls him off of the ferris wheel or whatever that the merry-go-round that he had been riding on and she points out who's talking to him and the lady goes damien it's all for you and jumps and hangs herself and the crashing sound that you hear is her body smashing against the window as she's falling down and like hanging herself in front of all of these kids and the mom is like trying to shield the kid from seeing what's happening but it's like for 70s standard like they probably didn't see a lot of things like that that's why they're screaming and like ducking down because the lady literally has just hung herself in front of everybody wow yeah it was intense i was like oh my gosh it gets worse the movie gets worse if you can believe it i'm sure everybody on here is like yeah we've seen this this is nothing compared to the horror movies that they see today that's fine i just have never seen this before and i was like oh my gosh that was intense so famous look at me damien scene happens and suddenly both girls scream and they duck down um eric tries to comfort donna you know it's just a movie But as this happens, Jackie, still laying down in the back, pulls Kelso back down with her. The two in the back suddenly have their feet flailing around Eric and Donna's heads, and Eric and Donna give up on sitting in the car and bail. 100% would have done the same thing. So two things kind of stick out to me in this scene, though. Number one is that Jackie is wearing rainbow-colored toe socks. And I was like, that is so 70s. That's also very Jackie. But I wanted to ask, and um, we can cut this out if we need to. Danny, didn't you used to have a pair of rainbow colored toe socks? Totally she did. So yes, Danielle confirmed off mic that uh, she did in fact own a pair of rainbow colored toe socks and would wear them with platform flip flops, which I thought, yeah, awesome. Very nine, well, not really nineties. It was kind of like early two thousands, but in the 90s, a lot of 70s styles had kind of come back, like with the bell-bottom jeans and everything. So it doesn't surprise me that this also came back. Clogs came back too, which we're going to see a pair of clogs in this episode. So yeah, definitely repeating of the fashions. Oh, so the second thing that stood out to me in the scene is that the old-fashioned um, speaker announcement, you know, they, they remind you to take the speaker off of your car before you leave. And you can actually see a speaker hanging on Eric's window when the boys get in and out of the car. You can see it attached with the cord and everything to the rack next to them. So this was my reference to 70s technology, as I said. But I I got a little curious about this and I started Googling about old speakers, like old fashioned speakers for the drive-in. I don't know why I was like, I got really curious about how they worked and how they attached to your car and everything. And I saw a lot of advertisements for old ones. They would like brag about how... Um, resistant they were to damage like a a car ran over them or whatever that they wouldn't shatter that the paint wouldn't chip or fade or all these different things that they would advertise about these speakers and then I started googling information about drive-in theaters like in general and I only I only got to read one article and I don't know how much of it was like factually based, but it was kind of interesting to read about like why they were so popular and how they sort of came up in the the post-depression but pre-world war ii era and then they just 
became a mainstay. In fact, this um, article claimed that they thought that the drive-in theater was so popular and so thriving that the only thing that would stop it would be um, World War III. Like, if that were to ever come, that would be what would stop the drive-in theater craze. And I think that's interesting because there's not very many drive-in theaters around anymore. I'm actually kind of sad that the local drive-in theater closed. But anyway, it was an interesting read about, like, the reasons why people really loved them so much. We instantly move to where Red and Kitty are sitting at a counter back at Philly's. We hear some lighthearted, if not old-fashioned music playing in the background as Red holds a cigarette and Kitty is picking pieces off of what looks like a jerky stick or sausage of some kind. Kitty thinks Red is getting the Salisbury steak, his usual order, and he says no, he's going to go for the ham. Kitty tells Red not to put his hat on the counter because of the grease, so he puts the hat back on and asks the man behind the counter for some half and half. As the man bends down to grab it from underneath, from, uh, from under the counter, he freezes mid-bend and the camera pulls back to reveal the front of the restaurant with Kitty and Red in the window. Kitty asks, isn't this familiar? And she and Red pose as the scene recreates a famous painting of a restaurant with the name Phillies across the top. So I counted this as our one and only like fantasy of the episode because they're setting up a shot. I think the only other time that we've seen them do this type of fantasy, quote unquote, was um, when they recreated the the painting of The Last Supper. In the streaking episode. Yes, exactly. So that was episode three. So I don't think that we've seen them do any other pictures since then. I know that they'll do it a few more times, at least in this season. But I was curious about this picture. I was um, too, but I didn't look it up. So oh, I'm you did it? <laughs> so the painting they are recreating is from 1942, and it's called Nighthawk's Diner, and it's by Edward Hopper. And that's basically all I know about it. But basically, when I was reading a description of it, it was supposed to symbolize, like, people being out late at night after the war and, like, thinking about their day and the street is empty and there's a juxtaposition between like the dark outside and the bright lights of the diner and like all the things that people were experiencing post-depression pre-war type stuff which I was like it looks like a painting of people in a diner I would not have gotten any of that stuff from that but (laughs) it's from 1942 like times were different then I would not have gotten that from that no no mm -mm. Fez and Hyder and Fez and Hyde are in the foreman's basement. Hyde is teaching Fez how to be sneaky and put the records they want to listen into the other sleeves. He does a very problematic demonstration of an Alice Cooper record inside a Pat Boone record sleeve. And I said, ding, 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 ding. This was a reference to two um, celebrities from the 70s, Alice Cooper and Pat Boone. So mark that off your bingo cards. Yeah, as... Uh, we just stated it was very problematic looking back on it that part did not age very well no no i have notes on that especially for that specific actor um that's literally what i put in my notes like the fact that he had to do this scene which definitely um has some rape vibes to it or at least some sexual assault or coercion or something it just did not feel good to watch that in this time knowing what he's been accused of I don't think that that was necessarily as talked about in the 70s or like as frowned upon or there wasn't as much um, instruction, I feel like, given to like survivors of sexual assault or anything at the time. Like it just was kind of seen as boys will be boys. So I get why it's in here in that 70s show, but it definitely felt just wrong to watch. Mm -hmm. 
Also, um, Danny Masterson's trial is they're reselecting a new jury because it was a hung trial last time. So we want to put out there that like innocent until proven guilty. I don't know all the details of any of this stuff. It just seemed odd with everything that's going on that uh, Danny Masterson is the one that had to act out this scene. And it just uh, did not age well. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, bringing us back. Now Fez can listen to the current rock and roll music at home without his crazy religious host parents knowing and making his life very boring. Fez worries what will happen if they hear the music, and Hyde instructs him that if they hear the music, then Fez will have to kill his host parents. No. It's just so weak and, like, so sad. No. (laughs) But then says, I guess I'll use headphones. Yes. And he sounds so, like, innocent. Yes, at that moment. As though, like, they were really going to kill them. Really? Now Kitty and Red are driving home after their date. Kitty uh, apologizes for how emotional she gets after reading Cosmo. And she says that she's glad that they gave it a try, you know, this date night. She knows that they're slowing down, flattening out. And at at their age, she says it's inevitable. Red doesn't like what he's hearing, and he wants to prove Kitty wrong. He says, hold on, and he erratically turns the wheel and takes them in a new direction as he accelerates dramatically. Kitty, surprised, asks if Red is having a flashback as he speeds off. (laughs) Back at the drive-in, Eric and Donna are sitting on top of the Vista Cruiser to try and watch the movie to avoid awkwardness. We get a great shot of Donna's red sweater, bell-bottoms, and clogs here. And this is the clogs I was talking about, so she's definitely wearing some clogs in this scene. She's dressed up for her date. Eric begins to try and make conversation when he just gives up because the car starts shaking underneath him. Eric tells Donna that Jackie and Kelso sure made themselves comfortable. Donna agrees and adds that it's definitely a roomy car. Eric says, yeah, it is, and starts to bring up the bench seat, but stops himself mid-sentence, and they start making out right on top of the hood. He makes another comment about the car. Donna says, yeah, that's interesting. Then returns to their kiss. <laughs> like, they're still trying to have a conversation and make out and not be awkward about this. Right. With Eric and Donna moving around and the shaking car, it causes Donna to fall off the hood. Surrounding cars have seen this and honk their horns in applause. Someone yells out, smooth move, foreman. Donna stands up, gives an awkward acknowledgement to the other cars about what has just happened and the fact that she's up and okay. She turns back towards the car, and Eric has jumped forward to continue kissing Donna. In this process, they've spun around and fallen to the ground and continue to make out. Okay, so this is where other people might mark this as a cute moment between Eric and Donna because they finally, like, have their makeout scene. I was like, this is a little awkward. I don't know about cute. It just seems uncomfortable because she falls off the car, and then also there's all these people watching, apparently, like, honking and acknowledging it. And then, like... They fall to the ground and, like, continue kissing on the ground. So, for me, that was not necessarily a cute moment, but it was a moment that they had. Also, on the dirty cement, I'm like, ooh, that's yeah. good. Yeah, you gross. You cars, the popcorn, whatever else is on the ground. Mm-hmm. All, Soda. Like, not a great time. Tires, all, like, the oil that can mm-hmm. be on the ground. So, I'm like, nope. 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 Not okay with that. Give me your best drive-in stories or mo- movie make-out stories. So... Funny enough, I actually have never been to the drive-ins. What? Yeah, so <laughs> with my first boyfriend, we were supposed to go, but when we were going to go to the drive-in, it was closed at that point. Oh, so, what a yeah. bummer. Yeah, so we were 
So yeah, we were supposed to go to a drive-in and see Tangled was was supposed oh. to be on there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it didn't end up happening. We still had a makeout session that night. But oh, okay, okay. So I mean, it wasn't completely a lost cause. It sounds like. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> As we've spoken about in previous um, podcasts, there's a famous spot near uh, this area. So. <laughs> oh, you guys went down there. Gotcha. 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 Okay. I remember. Obviously, it's not a, a drive-in because I don't remember a lot of drive-in experiences. But okay. I do remember going at least a few times. But I do remember one movie in particular. It had Halle Berry in it. Okay. <laughs> and it, it was kind of uh, action. I don't. I don't know if it was horror. I think was it, it was, Catwoman? No. Okay. It was something a little bit more dark. Oh, maybe the one where um, but just like change her identity or something. So I, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't okay. know. But I mean, obviously I'm just guessing. Action, it doesn't matter. It was kind of like an action movie. I I know it was a dark kind of movie. Mm-hmm. But I remember this because I went to the movie with a then boyfriend. Um, so this is early, not early teen years, but you know, early in those times. But I do remember missing. More than half the movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I was too busy. My face was otherwise inclined. <laughs> Did you end up with a crimson chin? <laughs> <laughs> so the crimson chin, for those that don't know, is we have a joke in our family that uh, after there's been a makeout session or something, it, usually because of the action around your mouth, uh, your chin ends up red or rubbed raw if the boy has facial hair or something. So no. we call it the crimson chin. I would say because this was uh, high school. Mm-hmm. So, no, no facial hair. But, uh, yeah, I, I was just otherwise, you know, I was kissing during that most of that movie. Gotcha. It was, yeah. That's all I remember. Well, and then the Crimson Chin, sorry, going back to this. It was a reference to um, a character on um, Fairly the Odd Fairly Parents. Odd Parents <laughs> called the Crimson Chin. And we just took that and ran with it. So, I love that. <laughs> well, I think you, Angelie, had it the most. So, that's why I started calling yeah, you. Yeah, I definitely the was the worst at having a Crimson Chin. So, you and your little fairy complexion. Yeah, my light skin. It didn't hide anything. Nope. <laughs> it's okay. At least I wasn't a hickey magnet, right, Corinne? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I think I'm the only one that really has drive-in movie um, stories then. Unless, do you have any? So... In high school, I, I don't remember going a ton of times, um, but there was a drive-in movie that was nearby to where we grew up, and I remember the first time going, I was on a date with a guy that we had, like, kind of been talking, but I wasn't sure if I was interested in, and, like, we maybe, like, we were... Um, like a flirtation ship? Yeah, but, like, I could tell he was kind of interested in me, and I wasn't sure where I wanted that to go. I wasn't sure like what was going to happen. I think he had asked me to a school dance or something. So we were already like planning on going to the school dance together and we were kind of getting to know each other or something. I I don't remember, but, um, we went to the drive-in movie and it was like a little awkward, but it was okay. We were with another couple and I remember just figuring out the drive-in movie experience at that point. Um, so at that time there wasn't any of these speakers that we're talking about that you have to clip to your car. You would just tune your radio to the right station and they would broadcast the audio over that particular radio station. Thank so for it was, cars. right. It was just the audio in your car. And I remember being surprised that they had, um, like a snack bar that you could walk to. And it was like a building in the middle that you would just walk to and you could get snacks and things. And I, I was like, Oh, I didn't think that there would be concessions. Um, and it was a double feature. We watched two movies and just talked and it was like a very innocent experience. It was great. It was nice. 
Um, other times that I've been to the drive-in were maybe not as innocent. I remember going another time in my own car and taking a boy that we had also kind of been seeing each other. We had never made anything official. Um, he was a little younger than me and I wasn't sure how I felt about that. We ended up watching a movie and I think that we didn't really kiss the whole time. I feel like maybe one or two times we kept it very PG. The whole time. Pretty, yeah. I think that there was like one or two kisses maybe, but it was very like low-key innocent. Yeah. Another time I went to the movie and uh, the boy I was with had a truck and he came prepared. He like had a nice area that we could sit and be comfortable and like watch the movie in the bed of the truck. I remember seeing the beginning of New Moon. (laughs) (laughs) Was there a full moon later? I can confidently say that I have never seen the entirety of that movie. I don't know. I read the book, so that's how I know what happened. I don't know. People reference, like, awkward scenes in that movie, and I'm like, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I remember why I don't remember this. I remember the (laughs) beginning. Um, Yeah, that was with a boy that I had grown up with, and we had started maybe hitting it off together. We never officially became a thing, but there were quite a few makeout sessions, and boy knew what he was doing <laughs> that's about it <laughs> that's that's some of my drive-in movie experiences well bringing it back now we spot the orange car parked its windows are all fogged up the hand slides down the window like the scene in titanic during this time there's you know romantic music playing and then the cop taps the window and it just comes to a yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a scratch record like yeah. the cop is expecting teenagers uh, and tells them to break it up. He is surprised when he flashes his lights at the people in the car and sees adults. The cop apologizes, says, my mistake, and Red says that, that's all right, we all make mistakes. Then Red proceeds to tell him to go bust some pot-smoking teenagers before he, Red, gives him a adult-sized kick in the ass. Ding, 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 ding. Red says ass. Matt, mark it off your bingo cards. That wasn't the first time, right? In this episode? It was the first time that I heard. Right, in this episode, but... Has it been the first time in the series? No, I don't think so. I There's think we've heard one, it before. Yeah, uh, yeah, at least one other time. I just, I know we haven't heard it. It's been a while. A burn or an ass in a mm-hmm. while. So <laughs> that's why I, I just thought we'd check in <laughs> where the firsts are. The cop says, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. And good night. Kitty thinks it's sweet that Red let the cop off with a warning. <laughs> Red smiles and says, yeah, but you're not getting off so easy. They go back to their extracurricular activities (laughs) so the uh scene begs the question have you guys ever been approached by a cop when you were making out in a car no no how boring is your lives (laughs) okay i had all y'all to watch i'm Uh, the youngest so i just gotta see what you i'm pretty sure because we just knew when to either vacate a place before cops show up or Mm -hmm. you know you were in a dark quiet neighborhood that we all know and cops don't (laughs) go down cops down there so, yeah. Well, I was hanging out in a car with a guy. There had probably been some making out, but we weren't making out at the time. We were legitimately just talking at the time when we were approached by a cop. And they came and, like, asked us what was going on. We were fine. We weren't getting into trouble at that point, And we were like, oh, you know, we're okay. I think we had, um, I don't remember why we were waiting. I don't know if we were waiting on somebody else to, like, like other friends to come join up with us or if we were just like oh yeah we should probably head home we didn't get in any trouble or anything but had they shown up a little bit earlier they would have caught a makeout sesh but 
There was no makeout sesh going on then. Hyde and Fez are rocking out on the couch at Fez's house with their headphones on. As Fez's host mom walks through the living room, the boys start singing a nice song instead of the one they had just been singing. Bringing drops are falling on my head. (laughs) His mom is smiling as she closes the door. They switch and start singing along to what they are actually listening to. Fez questions about the music being loud and how it really won't damage his hearing. Hyde has to pull the headphone off Fez's ear before he replies. And when he pulls it away, we can hear his music blasting at full volume. Hyde says, it's good for you. Eric has returned home from the drive-in and walks into the living room, a dark living room, by the way, where Red is sitting in his chair smoking. Red asks about the movie that Eric went to go see. Eric thought it was gory. Red asks how it ended, and Eric doesn't remember. <laughs> Red knows what that answer means and tells him, boy." Eric asks about Red's night, and Red gives a rare, enthusiastic reply. Fantastic. Eric says goodnight and starts to leave. Red says goodnight back and to be quiet going upstairs because Kitty is very tired. The smug look on Red's face is priceless. He is very pleased with himself. (laughs) And then it moves right to the next morning. Kitty is bringing coffee over to the table to fill up Red's cup. Red tells Kitty that Phillies is very dependable, and Kitty agrees with a smile on her face. The scene plays backwards, where they are supposedly speaking another language. The caption to them speaking this, this language lets the audience know just how good of a night they really had. Okay, so I can understand Red being a little bit enthusiastic, shall we say, for for Eric, you know, having a, a good night and not being able to remember the movie. Like, that's, he's just remembering what it's like to be a teenage boy. Like, yeah, a boy. Yeah. But when um, Red says, be quiet, because your mother is very tired, like, Almost. I don't feel like Eric's reaction is what a normal teenage boy's reaction would be, because Eric smiles and, like, nods his head and then goes upstairs And instead, you'd think that he would be horrified and be like, too much information, Dad. Like, no. But do you think... A 17-year-old boy would not respond that way. No, exactly. Do you think he really caught on to his dad? Other than he knew that, yeah, they went out to dinner. Like, oh, No, 100% I think he knew what was happening. Okay. You could see the recognition on his face. Yeah. I don't remember looking at his face. His dad smoking a cigarette and said, your mother is very tired. Like, 100% he understood what that meant. And instead of being disgusted like he should have been, he just smiles and like, yeah. No. Like, that's your business. No, no, no. (laughs) Yeah, if it was your parents, you yeah, you wouldn't be, you would be kind of weirded out, let's be real. Yeah. Also, um, it always bothers me that they smoke inside this house. Oh, it drives me nuts. So that was our episode. Let's go into our little extras at the end here. What did you guys think was the funniest moment of the episode? No. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that. I like Fez's reaction there. I, I like uh, when the camera moves backwards, revealing that they ended up at Phillies. Like, it's a piece of art. It's just it's yeah. funny, I, but it was also kind of cool. Yeah, the I artwork funny, recreation but... that they do. Yeah, I yeah. like that. Um, for me, it was when Donna falls off the roof of the car. Yes, that was kind of second notion. <laughs> yes, and then Eric basically jumps on her. Like, I, we're yeah, it was, <laughs> it was icky that they were on the ground, but, like, the fact that she fell off, I was like, oh, honey, like, I've been there. I understand what it's like to fall. Not that I've fallen <laughs> down in the middle of a makeout sesh. I mean, falling down in front of other people. I've been there, Corinne. Goodness I'm gracious. just saying, the way you worded that. No, I just mean I've been there embarrassed in front of a bunch of people, and you have to kind of 
walk it off. And oh, yeah. then, I've been there too. <laughs> yeah. But then the fact that he like jumps on her, I was like, oh, teenage hormones, my gosh. Oh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, that was my funniest moment. Best quote. I think it's all you. You didn't have a best quote. That, that this time you didn't have did you have one corinne not that comes to mind really for me devil wants a cherry pop yeah <laughs> maybe that's maybe. me cherry pop man yeah <laughs> satan wants a cherry pop you know sitting here now and being married and older i could probably very much enjoy the quote with red and kitty where it's like yeah i'll let him off but i'm not letting you off uh. <laughs> it's kind of cute yeah when he's you're not getting off that easy oh my gosh yeah but her reaction i'm like oh cringe her voice yes <laughs> um okay so i had two because i am the worst at coming down with just one i always have multiple Shocking. so i know at the very beginning when they're talking about the the porno thing um when he says kelsa stop saying porno and kelsa says i didn't say it mr foreman fez did <laughs> fez you are a bitch <laughs> yeah. just his delivery everything i loved it and then <laughs> going kind of along the lines of yours corinne satan second choice is root beer <laughs> <laughs> i love that one i don't know why it gets me every time Especially that delivery, too. Yes. That's, I think that was, made it part of it for me. I lo- I just love that he he's giving him a backup option. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we kind of talked about fashion throughout. Mine was, my favorite little moment was Red and his nice going out hat. Because mm. it, between the restaurant scene where he's like, he wants to check it in like you would at a fancy restaurant. But um, at the Philly scene, too, where it's like, they're, they're nice. They're just, it's a quiet area. They're enjoying themselves you know their smoke their coffee whatever and his hat's on the table but it's also uh just the way he picks it up it's just a very Puts the it style on, yeah. it's 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 that generation and yeah. their hats and their coats it's very almost 20s 30s like vibe i mean i would i would even give it 40s because yeah. that's probably yeah. when uh, like around the time that they were courting each other was like the late 40s early 50s but just the style of yeah. uh, the fashion choice like it was a very generational thing with mm-hmm. that type of hat and yeah it was just it was cute i liked it <laughs> for me i didn't notice really the fashion too much but for me that's not a huge deal because that kind of keeps me in the the, the episode 70s. and it doesn't pull my attention away so i feel like that's that's pretty good that it's not so glaring that it's not pulling me away. Yeah, yeah it was like glaring. It was just... definitely more on the casual side because they mm-hmm. were all just like going to the movies. But there were just things that you pick up on, like the toe socks and the clogs and the bell bottoms, like little things. And I'm like, oh, yep, there we are. Um, okay, most relatable moment. I put in here the the kitty outburst in the kitchen because just you know when you you're coming in somewhere you're you're emotional you need to vent it out to you know. You have a lot on your mind and your husband's yeah. going to hear all about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and very much between that one and the kitty and red at the end of the episode with their secret code talking. Oh yeah. Keeping it very PG at the breakfast table, but they both know what that means. Yes. And I mean, my keyword in my notes were laundry <laughs> running joke with, with my sisters and I, somebody, um, yeah. Somebody that we know uses that as a, a code for, um, Adult, married people time. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I totally get Kitty having to spell out why she's upset with Red. Like, to most men, like, they don't always pick up why their wives are upset. So, mm-hmm. you know, she spelled it out for him exactly. And like, then he acted on it. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so my most relatable moment 
was Donna knowing exactly what Eric was hoping was going to happen when he invited her to the drive-in. Like, all he had to say was, you know, the omen, and they both knew that was at the drive-in, and it was like an unspoken thing that they both were like, oh, that's what we're hoping is going to happen here tonight. Like, it was very relatable. She didn't have to say yes. No, but and she like seemed a little uncomfortable because she wasn't sure how to respond to the situation, which I could also relate to. Like maybe you say yes in the moment and then you're like, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Like I need to go vent with my friend. Like this is what's going on. Yeah. 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 So for me, I also related to Jackie and Donna, how they um, just started talking to each other and uh, really confiding in each other. Because I have a friend that um, I've known since I was a teenager. She's usually my go-to. And if we go to something together, she, we usually know that we're going to talk about it later. And mm-hmm. go, okay, how did you feel about this? How did you feel about this? Yeah, <laughs> debrief session. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so we know usually going into it, if we know we're both going to be at a thing, we're going to be like, okay, so you will be my go-to if this happens. And this is going to be the go-to. Oh, I like that. (laughs) So So Jackie and Donna in this episode was relatable for you. I like that. Nice. Okay. So looking through this, um, our only fantasy, like we said, was the Phillies poster. So I'm going to add that to our list. I think we definitely have more than 10 now. So we're going to have to start weeding through. through. Mm-hmm. Yes. I didn't have to add anything to the list of things that we learned about Fez in this episode. There wasn't anything new. Um, and there were no burns either. We haven't had a burn yet. I really wonder when that first burn is going to be. I know. It's going to be a big deal for us. We're going to be like, we heard burn. <laughs> I'm going to guess. I'm going to put a guess of second season. Hmm. Mm. We still have more episodes to watch for the first season, but... Should we take a bet on when we think the first burn Ooh. is going to be? No one can look it up. <laughs> that is tough. I'm not okay, looking it up. I, so, I will put a bet on season two. Sure, okay, I are think you, season two. But, like, I need an episode. Oh, that's a little too specific. Mm. Maybe, like, first half or second half? Maybe, like, first three, like, maybe four, five, six. I feel like... Not knowing when they exactly start, it, it's a little too much to ask to, like, pinpoint. So that's why I'm saying season two. Okay, season two. I'm going to guess season three. I'm going to go end of season one. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay. we'll see who's right. <laughs> All right, well, this was our episode, season one, episode eight. Next week will be season one, episode nine. I believe it's Thanksgiving? I think so. I think so. Okay, so that's bolstering my opinion that we are in fall. I'm, I'm trying to nail down this timeline, guys. That's why I brought it up earlier, because I think the next episode is Thanksgiving. Yeah. Which gives us all these activities with Donna and Eric. It's got to be September, falling into October. Now we're in November. Yeah. Like, it's it's a We know it's a fake timeline, but we're trying to get the real details. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Consistency. We like consistency yeah. here. One thing I'm noticing is that they are not acting like they're freezing cold outside. Yeah. And in the next episode, they will be very cold. So we'll see. That might be a little bit more of a jump than we were expecting. But I do think we're in fall here. I was going to say, just, I mean, looking at this episode alone, knowing that Eric was wearing a sweater... And then at the drive-in, Donna's still they're wearing, wearing a sweaters coat. and jackets. Yeah, yeah, they're wearing. So they they were there for the weather. They had their jackets on when they went to the hood. So like they were cold already. Mm-hmm. And I think even Jackie probably still had on. My, my guess is she probably had on a jacket because they did when we. She did they when they approached. Yeah. yeah, not in the car. But, Maybe not. You know, in the that's car understandable. At that point, but anyway, I, I feel like also it's um, Hollywood thinking about what. It, 
probably feel is what it feels like when it's cold yeah. and what they think they should wear versus people that actually live there and know how cold it is and how yeah. many layers and the layers <laughs> that are involved yes but anyway that just is making me think about the timeline so we're thinking we're just being nitpicky yes close. <laughs> we're thinking next episode is thanksgiving i could be wrong about that but i'm pretty sure it is i think it is Anyway, join us next week, and if you feel so inclined, leave us a review or a rating. Let us know what you're thinking about how we're doing, and um, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.